All right, lock that door, Craig. What's this about, Cartman? I've come up with a test that can determine if it was any of us who had the headlights. We're gonna find out once and for all who had head cooties. Lice feed on a person's blood, and just like mosquitoes, they leave behind small traces of their saliva in the host's bloodstream. That saliva is monochromagnic. So if an infected person's blood is touched by this hot metal coil, say, that person's blood will jump 10 meters into the air. Really? That's retarded. You didn't come up with that experiment, Carmen. You saw it in that movie, The Thing. This is a scientific test designed to... You saw it in The Thing and you're wasting everyone's time. I thought you might say that, Kyle. Because you don't want to take the test, do you? Nobody's blood is going to jump up in the air. If it isn't going to work, then what are you afraid of? The only person who wouldn't want to take the test is somebody who is worried it might work and reveal that they were the ones with lice. Yeah, that's true. I have no problem taking the test. I have nothing to hide. Yeah, me neither. All right, fine, I'll do the dumb test. Everyone take a Petri dish and a syringe. We need at least 30 cc's of blood from each one of you. All right, now everyone back over there. We'll start with what I already know. Guess that proves Eric wasn't the one with head lice. It doesn't prove anything. Yeah? Let's just see what your blood does, Cab. Huh, I guess you're clean. Y you guys, we better go. Recess is almost over. It's all right, it won't take much longer to... What the hell? Kenny! No way. You were right all along, Eric. It was Kenny. Of course I was right. I told you only poor people get lice. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Synthesis Podcast. Oh, oh, excuse me. And that's our guest host right there, see? And uh, <laughs> I am one of your hosts, Gary Hill. <laughs> With me tonight is Suzanne. How you doing, girl? Greetings. How is everybody tonight? Fine. I'm not lady drunk, but I'm fine. I'm, I'm feeling fine, you know. Oh my gosh, she she got no comment to that at all. So this, that, that joke just fell to the floor, and you know, it's collecting hair, you know, and it's just, it's, it's nasty now. <laughs> it's rancid. Oh no! Ow! Speaking Sorry, of, I got. Speaking of not rancid things, Iris is here. How you doing? Hello, hello, beautiful people. Uh, doing I, good. That's good. I didn't ask how you're doing, but you know. I'm, you know, you know, I meant that deep down inside, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh we have a guest tonight. Yeah, uh, you, you heard his uh, belcher, whatever that was at the beginning of the show, and that's fine too. <laughs> you know him from many, many shows, including the one that I do with him, uh, Mr. Derek Bourgeois. How you doing, sir? Uh, uh, pretty good, Gary. You know, that was my greatest introduction to a show ever, where I just couldn't hold it in. <laughs> you know. <laughs> now, if you farted and sneezed at the same time, that that would be, you know, one of the best introductions, as long as it wasn't a shart, and that'd be embarrassing. Yeah. Um, well, if you try to fart and sneeze at the same time, you're going to find yourself cleaning more of the house than you'd intended. Oh, yeah. Or you clean. turn into a tentacle monster. Oh, yeah. Well, that would be a bonus. It would be, unless there's a, a flamethrower involved. Mm. <laughs> oh, man. But isn't that how they deal with hemorrhoids? They burn that shit, literally. Okay, moving on. That's, that's, a, that's a real, it's a real pain in the ass. That's fine. Uh, that, that, could, that could go down <laughs> a rabbit hole there. Man, 
talking well, about? I'm starting to dig the rabbit hole, so I apologize in advance for anything that's coming out of my mouth tonight. That's fine. I'll ask our guests the same question I ask everybody. Uh, what you been watching, Derek? Uh, nothing really, you know, like, uh, I've been watching a lot of rewatch stuff. Like, I watched Red the other night. Loving that movie with a passion. It's great. Carl Urban as Dread just kicks ass. Just the aesthetics alone. It's very stylistic. It's written by Alex Garland, of course, who later did like Ex Machina and Annihilation. He wrote 28 Days Later and Sunshine for Danny Boyle. Uh, yeah, I dig the hell out of it. You know, uh, uh, Leanna Headley's amazing as Mama. <laughs> great bad guy role. And it's just action nonstop. I like that. It's just, you know, it's weird because this came out the same time as the raid and they're kind of similar storylines but i like it because it's a good introduction movie for dread you know it sets up like a how this town is and how the you know the judges work and stuff like that and you know it's a instead of folding too much into it like the stallone movie did which you know i i still enjoy the stallone movie to some extent you know it's a guilty pleasure it's nostalgic but you know I kind of like this one more better because it's more aesthetically pleasing if you're a fan of the original comic that Dread's based off of. But uh, overall, that's about it. And, you know, just rewatching some, you know, other stuff. Like uh, I tried to get into Yellow Jackets, that new series. I'm one episode in. Uh, it's a slow burn show. It's very interesting. I do like that it cuts between the past events and uh, the modern day events of what the event that happened that involved with the main characters, which is about a, 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 I think it's a girl soccer team or volleyball team. I forget what team they played because I only watched one episode, of course. And uh, they get uh, their plane crashes because they were going to like some like event or game or something. And they end up stranded in these woods. And it tells like that story, what's going on through flashbacks while the modern day story happens where there's like this mystery where, you know, pretty much what I'm leading to believe that something happened in the woods and we're going to find out what it was, but somebody found out about what happened in the woods and is fucking with these girls in the modern time, which is interesting. It has a cool cast. It's got like Juliette Lewis and Christina Ricci in it, which, uh, in, uh, I forget the actress's name, but she played like Rose on Two and a Half Men. She's in it too, and she has a mouth on her in this show. <laughs> she swears up a storm. It's great. Melanie but, Linsky uh, is the actress's yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm curious. I only watched one episode, but uh, see how it goes. That's on Showtime, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Cool. Suzanne. Well, I you know I really haven't watched a whole lot lately. I just. Uh... I've been kind of watching serial killer shows. I was watching this thing on Hulu about this time in L.A. when there were four serial killers actively working. The Sunset Strip Killer, basically the Dating Game Killer, the Skid Row Slasher, or sorry, the Skid Row Stabber, and the Hillside Stranglers. So I've, for some reason, for the past couple of months, it's been all about the serial killers. For some reason, I find that I just find the story is interesting. I'm just finishing up a book about the Wonderland murders. I know that Iris probably knows a lot about this as well. Yep, yep. The John Holmes and, one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 
the thing I've been watching, it's called City of Angels. It was a six-part series that I think ABC did. And they had one of, I think his name was Bob Souza talking about a couple of these murder cases that were mentioned in the book. I'm almost finished reading. So if you're interested in that, City of Angels on Hulu. And there's one I want to talk about. I love a good shark movie. You know, I love it. Animals attack movie. But I've seen one that I absolutely fucking hate with a passion. Almost as much as I hate the Meg. It's called Great White and it's on Shudder. I'm sorry. Everything that's good about a shark movie, this movie completely missed out on. The characters, all of the good characters die. And you're left with these two fucking morons. So, I mean, hey, watch it if you want to, but this movie was a complete waste of my time. And Gary actually watched this movie with me, and I think you kind of agreed with me on most of this. Hello? I was I was on mute. Uh, I, I, I agree that um, it's not very good, but, you know, and it's predictable as all hell, but then again, most of these shark movies are. You can't really do nothing about that. They're... they're they're really a dime a dozen at this point. And, um, yeah. I know, but this one I really wanted to engage with just because I did. But it was, they they found new and exciting ways to make every part of the movie unwatchable. And I'm, I'm really sorry. I just wanted to bring that movie up because I really hate it. There's a part of this movie where they're they're floating on a rescue raft trying to get to where they're going after the shark has destroyed their boat, but you're just waiting for the shark to say, okay, wait for my time, wait for my time. Just just ravage this raft, but he never really does. He tells, like, the very time, you know, that the one has to escape, or in this case, the two have to escape. I won't tell you, say which two, but the shark should have destroyed this raft long before that. <laughs> yeah, it was, like I said, everything that could possibly be wrong with a shark movie, this movie... Managed to hit each and every one of those notes. And I'm I, honestly, I'm really pissed about it because I love shark movies. I'm highly disappointed in this movie. I expected a hell of a lot more than I got. Please go back to the drawing board and I'm sorry. So you may want to cut your feed right now if you've not seen this because spoiler alert coming. The two fucking stupid people live. Suzanne, that was a quality raft though. That, that's that, that's the why they lived, you know. <laughs> that was a okay, I am done ranting, and I apologize. You know what? No, I don't. It, fuck this movie, and fuck everyone involved. It, it looked like the same material that the Wonder Wheel was made out of, and in, in, in the toy, you know, Richard 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 Pryor just like going around and around on that thing, and but oh. that 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 got a hole in it real fast oh, yeah. too, though. Man, what we're gonna do the toy one day? It's gonna get racist and weird, and um, I can't wait. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I seen I, I I seen Great White too, and yeah, I I kind of agree with you. Fuck that movie. It's fucking terrible. You uh, know, you go in with these expectations. There was a, a fucking fantastic one that what was the one in the mall with the the motherfucker? I cannot never remember. It. Thank you. This movie was fantastic. Everything, I loved it. Sharks in a supermarket. White. Yeah. You know, it's great. It was fucking awesome. This movie sucked out loud. I highly not recommend Great Whites. Yeah, you, you know what it reminded me? If It reminded me of a more bland version of The Reef. 
with a yeah. And the reef had its moments, but they were few and far between. Yeah. Cool. I'm sorry, I'm done. No, you're okay. Iris. <laughs> um, really haven't been watching movie wise, but I've. Oh my god, I've been catching up on the hot mess called Below Deck. And I have been catching up on what are, uh, the dead files because those I, are. I, I have to ask about this below deck obsession. I have to ask about this. What is the obsession <laughs> with white people on boats? I, 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 I can't. I can't get into it, man. You know. Well, you know, it, it's not the white people on boats. It's the crew, and I stare at these people and like, the fuck, are you that dumb? And then I think, you know, had I known that this was a thing when I was a kid. I would have been on those boats and I would have been retired and so rich right now. Yeah, they make, they make some money on the boats. Yeah. Fuck yeah, they make money. My sister watches it, but then again, she believes that the people on the Mass Singer are actually singing those songs. I was like, they're wearing giant fucking heads. How can you tell if they're actually singing these songs, Shana? Come on now, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, I've been turning on The Dead Files, Ghost Adventures, and a couple of different ghost shows while I'm at work. I, I, you know, I'm a bartender. I work nine to five. I've got, like, I've got the day drinkers and the day gamblers. And nine times out of ten when I'm watching, it's like, do you believe in this? Depending on the personality, I will either play it up or play it down. Like, nah, I just find this kind of interesting. Then you get that super, that real superstitious person in there, and you can fuck with them so bad. If my boss ever hears this, I'm probably fired, which wouldn't be a bad thing right now. But, oh, I, I had someone so spooked because we do have a ghost where I, I work. I put my I, I set something down on the bar. I turned my back and it was gone. And I turned the bar upside down. An hour later, it was sitting in the middle of the bar where I had I had wiped over 10 times. We had a chair just start dancing around one day, and we're going, um, uh, uh okay, what the <laughs> fuck is that? Wow. So I, the ghost stuff is so much fun. It, it it is the holiday season, so they put a hat on the on the chair. So I was dancing around, you know. Well, we're closed for the next two and a half weeks, so. Fr- Frosty the snowman, you know. I did that. Uh, yeah. No, Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, Iris. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, no, no. Um, let's see what else have I been watching. Um, of course, I knew 90 days before the 90 started, so got to watch that fucking hot mess. Uh, so, yeah, I, actually, I'm just watching a whole bunch of hot mess to feel better how I live. <laughs> <laughs> no, reality, so, TV. Yeah. reality TV. Yeah. It's good for the soul, man. It makes you it, it, it builds up confidence. <laughs> it lets you know that somewhere somehow there is someone whose life is a lot more fucked up than yours. Exactly. And you know, I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah Me but, too. They, but they have no shame though. So they they're on TV. I think that's that's uh That's how we get honey boo boos. Man. Yes indeedy. Honey boo boo. That child's uh I'm gonna be a Jacksonville strip club waitress before you know it. You'd be all good, you know. You that or she's selling crack? Well, yeah, there's that. There's always the crack well, game. There's that. Always there. Yeah. Always the crack. Oh, well, in her case, the meth game. Probably. Who knows? It could be a a Florida thing. I don't know. 
I'm going to leave it alone. Fuck, she might be on ice for all we know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What have I been watching lately? Uh, <laughs> I forgot to mention it last time, so I'll mention it this time. Um, go to Hulu and watch Hitmonkey. This is a this is an animated show. I've been to watch yeah. that. Yes, it, it it is about a guy who's an assassin, who was killed in the mountains in Japan amongst amongst a, a group of apes, and they all die except oh, for yeah, one of their monkeys. Yeah, right. and they There's all one they, monkey that 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 like picks up his gun and stuff. Yeah, they they all get they all get shot and killed along with the assassins. So. The monkey has to get revenge for his monkey family whilst being followed around by this the ghost of this assassin. So this has a monkey, it has a samurai sword and a gun. Is just killing folks brutally. And this is animated, and you guys should watch it because it's fun. And it's got a monkey with a samurai sword doing stuff. And uh, yeah. And is, who would want to watch that? Who, who would not <laughs> want to watch that? Does Willis know about this? Willis should know about that. It's Marvel. It, it is a Marvel series, yes. Um, what else have I been watching? I've been watching a bunch of Children of the Corn sequels because Duncan willed it. <laughs> and you know what? They're, they're not all terrible so far because I'm, I'm about... I'm like seven in uh, of the movies. and But with the exception of the first three, you know, which they have genre people in the first one, but not so much the second and third one, those pretty much stand on their own as being pretty decent, but once you get into the other ones, you kind of got to try a little harder. And the way they do that is they get, you know, good genre actors to be in these these Children of the Corn sequels to, like, carry the weight of these donkeys to make them a little bit better. And you get that in the fourth one with Naomi Watts and um, Karen Black in that movie. And the next one you get... Keith Car- you get David Carradine and Fred Williamson in that movie. Just 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 chewing that scenery, David Carradine in that movie. It's it's, it's phenomenal. And then he dies hilariously. And but yeah, they're they're not bad through six. Now when I got through the seventh one, which involved like a apartment complex that was next to a cornfield and some kids doing some shit. And oh yeah yeah yeah. And Michael Ironside shows up. The version I was watching, the sound went out about halfway through. So it must have been a sign from He Who Walks Behind the Rose not to finish it. Okay? So I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what happens next. It's just, you know, it, just, it must have been a sign to say, Hey, don't watch any more of this movie. It's dog shit. And, but it's got Michael Ironside in it. So I might actually go back and look for it again. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um... Besides that, you know, stuff for shows, and um, so I've been getting back in the swing of things with that, and I'm happy about that, guys, you know. Um, but yeah, go 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 check out those sort of worthy Children of the Corn sequels if you could find them. Don't go searching under any tombs or rocks or anything for them. If you, if you have them available to you, uh, check them out and listen to Duncan's massive... Um, retrospective shows. I think I think he just released uh the second part of it today with uh with Isaac's return on there. Yeah. That gets pretty stupid yeah. but in a one in a wonderful way. With Isaac's return. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm actually yeah I'm actually on the the one that was released today, uh the retrospectives. I did Children of the Corn Four with him. 
Nice. Yeah, that's, it's, it's decent. I actually like the story of that one. With you know, if you don't know, uh, the kid kids get possessed because they all get sick all at once and become disciples of he who walks behind the rose. After that, and the guy it has a kill in there where a, a guy gets bisected by a hospital cart. Yeah, and it's kind of badass. I'm not gonna lie. To you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And fucking uh, the guy who plays like older Matt Damon, same prior Ryan's in the beginning. He's the one who wakes him up like rawhead Rex style in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah, and he gets fucking killed with like these rakes. <laughs> it's great. Oh, it gets weird, guys. That's, they're 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 oh. fun. Um, that's about it for Oops, go ahead. Can I toss one more movie in there? Sure. I am so sorry, Gary. Go for it. Uh, well, we did one on NFW called Christmas Blood. It was Norwegian. I was so completely blown away by how good this movie was. It was a straight-up Christmas slasher movie. I just, I, I, if you get a chance, go find Christmas Blood. Yeah, it's a good one. I actually have the DVD of that. I got it to review when it first came out from Arsploitation Films. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty great from what I remember. It's been a while since I watched it. Uh, yeah, I've, I, we did more of a pod listen, or at least I did, just because it was just... there is The story was compelling as hell. Thank God it was subtitled on top of subtitles, so I could sit and not talk about the movie while reading the movie. But it was... I was really surprised. I need to add this to my collection. And I think someone from Dead Snow worked on this as well. That makes so. sense. I, I know one of the main cops was in the... He was one of the Norwegian dudes in the thing, re- prequel. Okay. Yeah, that's where I recognized him when I was watching. I'm like, yeah, that's the dude from the, the thing prequel. Yeah. Because, you know, you get, I like to see a lot of those actors later on. Like the the one that was the red-headed Norwegian dude in the thing prequel was actually in uh, Game of Thrones later on. So it was like, oh, I see all these guys from, you know, it's weird when you see other people from other movies and stuff and other shit. It's like, oh, I know. Oh, yeah. But But, I uh, I, honestly, I was surprised. This is, this was a nudie pick and he usually, him and I used to differ so completely on movies and lately in the past probably two years we have kind of met in the middle and we're He's liking a lot of stuff that I like. I'm liking a lot of stuff that he likes. Man. Christmas Blood, killer movie. Christmas Blood. You I, have to I, look that up. I, I got a beef with, with wrestling fans, and you, yeah, it comes up a lot on WWE. It'll come up here too. Uh, if you're a fan of wrestling and you feel you can't like both things, you can like both things. But I, it just proved you know how toxic these people are. After Wednesday night, Wednesday night they had AEW Dynamite on, and if you watch wrestling in the seventies, this happened a lot. So you're like, oh, it's not that big of a deal, but it, it is a big deal now. Um, Brian Danielson, aka Daniel Bryan from the WWE, uh, fought Hangman Adam Page for for the title. I know it's sports entertainment; they, the results are predetermined. So don't talk to me about that, guys, if you're listening. But those guys fought. There was no winner because it was 60-minute time limit. They fought for a whole hour, you know, work, working their asses off. And people were complaining about this. 
I was like, just just get over yourself. So you got to watch an hour of, you know, two technicians do the thing. Who gives a fuck if there was a winner? So if you're a toxic person, as far as like, oh, you can't like this, but you can like that. <coughs> Willis, Willis, sometimes I'm talking to you, my friend. Get get over it, okay? Which is, it's, uh, just don't do not do that, man. These guys are out there on the road. They're working. And it, it's, uh, it's annoying to look at after stuff like that happens. Oh, uh, it's the same thing with, like, fucking some of the horror groups we're in, man. Like, when you even make your opinion about a movie, like, yeah, you know, everyone's, like, bashing it. Like, I liked it. Like, uh, and, you know, like, oh, why did you like that? How could you like that? I'm like, you know, it's the same thing. You know, you, some, fan, all fan groups have some toxicity in them now. It's fucking nuts. Yeah, I've left several horror groups because of that. I'm in one horror group, and it's not really just horror. It's, you know, basically sleaze, exploitation, smatterings of porn. But it's a large group of incredibly intelligent people. I've been in this group for, it has to be over five years. I'm not going to say it out loud because you can't get there unless you have an invite. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, we've had... Amazing conversations. My God, we were joking about, you know, for certain movies, getting a patch. And only people in this echelon could get a patch. I mean, we were joking about a, a very vile movie, but it is what it is. And, like, trying to figure out, oh, that would be an embryo. Like, wow, we are a bunch of sick, sadistic motherfuckers, aren't we? But no one called anybody out. We all just had a conversation about the movie as it was. I miss, I'm so glad I have this group because there are, I, I, like I said, the people just jump on their little high horses and instead of actually trying to discuss a movie, want to tear down your opinion. And that's not what we're all about. Besides Dumplings, Dumplings is a very good movie. Yeah. It's it's nasty though. <laughs> it's it's not one that I could watch too often because it's it, a great day movie. That's when you know them they're keepers. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. But I have to say, I have to admit, I have not been able to go back to a dumpling house in a very very long time. Yep, that's true too. There might be a fetus in there. You don't. That's know. That's right. <laughs> Regain our youth, though. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> I just realized my friend picked me up because I just wanted a little vape. Yeah, I just realized she gave me a THC one. There you go. This would be a very interesting show. The plot yeah. thickens. Did, did she give you some, some fetus-filled uh, dumplings, though, with dinner, though? Did, did, uh... Watch Suzanne. Watch her closely. Oh, my God. What the fuck? Because, you know... Oh, but this is definitely going to be interesting because uh, now I have all kinds of things to talk about. I'm all about... Suzanne is the palmer of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm all about her body, her choice. So, so if you want to have an embryonic dumpling, you can go you go eat that shit. You know, that's fine. Oh, God. But no, I just, this group, I love everybody. Like I said, they're just an amazing group of people. And no, no topic is taboo. You want to sit and talk about a Serbian film? We'll sit and talk about a Serbian film. We'll, Another great talk- movie. Yeah. And we all kind of agree that Human Centipede was, yeah, I was led down by Human Centipede. I'm not afraid to say that. You, you know what Dumplings needs? We, we just recorded earlier, me, 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 Derek, and Suzanne. It needs Michael Constantine from Thinner just to be there next to one and say, yeah. you, you, go, you go ahead. 
You eat your dumplings. Dumplings. <laughs> With Windex. <laughs> <laughs> eat your, eat your dumplings. Chaser. It's your embryo. You eat your embryo. You eat it. <laughs> <laughs> then you can go feed her. Oh, feed man. her. <laughs> 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 oh my and god! Then, I'm in the and then just then just Joe Montana comes out of nowhere. <laughs> this this is where we get banned from Legion for talking about freaking fetus dumplings. You know, yay! No, not really. I don't want to do that. So if we if we offended somebody, sorry, not sorry. You can't don't take listen. you can't take comedy. You know, it's just it's uh, I I, I am I, I I am down with you, your body, your choice though. So if that means anything to you, then I I hope you understand that. You know. That's a. Uh, oh. Wow. Let's get past abortion laws and, and talk about some films, <laughs> shall we? Um, pick two films tonight where it's cold outside and you're isolated and you have a shapeshifter in some sort of way. And we're going to pick. We picked uh, Horror Express and The Thing f- from 1982. Uh, the, the the John Carpenter Redux, which is a a nice blend of the original thing from another world and and uh, his own his own thing, you know. But um, we'll get into all that when we get to it. We're gonna kick it into Horror Express first. Got to get on that train, Barbara, and um, ride the trailer. For two million years in these subterranean caves, a creature of superhuman evil was entombed in a wall of ice, waiting to be free, waiting to live again. Travel with us on a journey into a world where nightmare becomes reality. Two million years ago. Got onto that crate, killed the baggage man and put him in there. Yes, I am. It's alive. It must be. Travel with us, if you dare, on the Horror Express. Search the train and find it, whatever it is, and destroy it. But if it's alive... I want this kept quiet. I don't want to panic the passengers. The malignant power of this creature is indestructible, transferring its force from mind to mind, from body to body. Beast is not dead. I put four bullets into him. You think evil can be killed with bullets? Satan leaves. The animal that you shot was only the host. It's alive in someone on this train. You saw his eyes. One look at them and you're dead. Anything that moves near that door, kill it. 
Run, run for your life. Hide, but you can't escape. No one can stop the fury and the terror of the Horror Express. Express from 1972 um, stars some great people. Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, some Spanish folks that we'll, we'll get into later. Um, yeah, there's a lot of those in this freaking movie. And um, your other main star, why are you not listed in the, in the main thing here? You're, you're slack at IMDb. Telly Savala shows up in this movie and steals the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It then dies unceremoniously. But uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, the plot synopsis is this. While traveling on the Trans-Siberian Express, an anthropologist and his rival must contain the threat posed by a form, uh, uh, by the former's cargo, a prehistoric ape, which is the host of, for a life form that is absorbing the minds of the passengers and crew. He's got a furry hand going on. It could be some real fetishist shit right there. But that's That's kind of sexy. But, um... I'll kick it to our guest first, Derek. Uh, Horror Express, what do you think about it, sir? Oh, uh, I always loved this movie, man. Uh, first time I ever seen this was, I think, because this movie was in the public domain for so many years. You used to have, like, you know, you could find it in, like, the dollar DVD bins and, like, a budget DVD and different versions and different companies. But this movie, yeah. <laughs> With the shittiest covers ever, like there's a legit one where it's just Telly Savalas' eyes laying on the floor. But, uh, uh, yeah, not the best cover in the world. Uh, but yeah, I, I always dug the fuck out of this. I just like how the story progresses. I love how, you know, you think it's just this creature, but then you find out this creature's more than meets its own self because it's a interdimensional being from another world. And actually, uh, it kind of, you know, you would I would actually pair this also with Quatermass in the Pit because you know you have like that interstellar dimensional being that comes at the end of that movie. It's kind of reminiscent of this one, uh, and you know it has some Lovecraft vibes to it, where this creature came from or where this being came from per se. And you know both actually deal with uh, Quatermass in the Pit, and this actually deal with. Maybe the devil was based on something else because they talk about fallen angels and both. And, you know, the reveal of that movie, it's actually Martians that came to Earth. But in this one, it's like, is this thing the devil or is it not? You don't know. We just know that the priest thinks that it's the devil. And, uh, you know, growing up with it, I actually got to watch a lot more Spanish cinema and a lot more of Eugenio Martin's work because... He did uh, another movie that I love called Candle for the Devil with uh, Judy Geeson, and it's a great movie, very different. But uh, yeah, also this movie is co-written by two blacklist writers who also wrote the screenplay for Psychomania, <laughs> that crazy weird movie. And yeah, you can tell it's from the same writer as this movie. And the, this is the charismatic chemistry between Cushion and Lee in this one. Uh, I always love when I hear the story of how this movie came about. And, uh, you know, Peter Cushion, Christopher Lee actually 
told Peter Cushion to do this movie with him because Cushion's wife just actually recently passed away during this, and you could just see the charismatic of their friendship in the acting in this movie. It's fucking great. And then, of course, uh, I got to give another shout out to uh, before I get to Telly because I think we're all going to talk about Telly a lot. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Helga Linné, who's a Spanish horror actress that I recognize from a ton of Paul Nashy films. Uh, I always loved her in those movies, and she's great in this. She plays Natasha. She's like a kind of like that spy chick that kind of gets it later in the movie. But uh, yeah, I dig everything about this movie. It's great. I love the score. The score is awesome. Done by future Kojak composer himself. Uh, what's his name? Let me look this up. John Kakavas. I believe that's how you pronounce it. I probably said that right, but whatever. But then there's Telly Savalas, which, you know, like the first time I watched this, I'm like, where's Telly in this movie? And then he comes. And it's the greatest introduction to a character ever. <laughs> he comes with like three <laughs> women in a haystack. Like, hey. And, you know, then he's just waving his acting dick all throughout the rest of the movie. <laughs> It's great. Uh, I love this movie with a passion. Uh, it's great atmosphere. I love the train set. And it's probably, this might be controversial because I don't know, but this is probably the best horror film set on a train. You know, you get, you know, Terror Train later on, which is pretty good. I like Terror Train, but I think this one's fucking awesome. You know what a pretty good one is, is Howl. That, that's a werewolf on a train movie. And I do like that one too. Yeah. I'm not saying it's as good as this, but it's worth your time. I think Howl's worth your time. Yeah, I like Howl. Oh, boy. Iris. All right, so this movie. <laughs> God, I I fucking love this movie. This is the first time I've watched this. Um, and it was, it just blew me away. First of all, you know, the music, of course, you know, it, it, you can clearly tell it's one of those Spanish-Italian movies because of the music in it. Beautiful score, right? Um, at the beginning, I was like, am I am I fucking watching The Hunger Games? What's, what's this? Because, you know, the little tune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, but as the movie progressed, I was like, okay, I, I see the theme here that Gary's going with. And um, this movie, I mean, as much as it... it, it all of a sudden, it's like, boom, we're throwing science at you. And it was just lovely. Uh, there's not too many movies that I know of that will actually, you know, use something like forensic uh, optography to try to move the the narrative along. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, 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 you have my fucking attention now. Um, but, you know, and it did before, because anytime Cushing and Ling are on the screen, I mean, fuck, you know, it's like you were saying, uh, Derek, it, it's that chemistry, right? It's just so beautiful to watch these two actors, you know, just act off of each other. It's it's just, I don't know, it, it's just so beautiful to watch, right? And then Mr. Honcho himself, Telly shows up, and anytime Telly shows up, you know, he eats up the screen. But for me to have three of these actors in a scene all at once and to be able to have the confidence of not feeling that they have to outact each other, 
that just shows you how classy and how confident these guys are, not only of their of themselves and what they can do, but also of how well they all work together. I mean, because that that just blew me away. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's that that feel of well, kind of like in uh, Prince of Darkness, right? Uh, evil became something very tangible in that movie. Again, here you have this. So is it really the devil or does the devil even really exist? Or is it just, you know, how man tries to explain things, right? Because they have no other explanation. So you make shit up. And being that religion has this this tendency, especially the Judeo-Christian, well, more the Christian than the Judeo, have a tendency of, you know, snatching up uh, just folklore from other places and basically grabbing it and declaring its own and saying, well, this is how things happened. Um, yeah, you can clearly see that, um, you know, the devil could have been something that like that, you know? So yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. And um, this is going to be something that I'll, I'll revisit quite a few more times because it's, it's so well done. The acting's great. Uh, the monster is, you know, not the greatest monster, but it's it's effective. And, um, yeah, you know, as soon as the lights go out, somebody's going to be dying. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, great flag. Uh, before we move on, I just wanted to, I love that you brought up Prince of Darkness because, you know, uh, if you didn't know, uh, Iris, actually, uh, Prince of Darkness is Carpenter's love letter to the Quater Mass series, too. So Yes, uh, yeah, because, you know, it's very remnant. If you watch Quater Mass in the Pit and Prince of Darkness, there's a lot of the similar themes throughout those two movies, mm-hmm. which is also in this movie, too, which, you know, like, a, it's it's great. And, you know, I'm glad that we're mentioning all this. And I'm kind of fanboying out right now. It's great. Oh, no, no, no. It's I mean, please, fanboy. You know, he has, um, and, and of course, then we're going to be just discussing a John Carpenter film, you know, next. It's... Um, it's just this beauty of going back to the roots of things and how these directors, these people just, you know, they, they, they totally respect where everything came from, whether it be literature or an older movie, it's, it, you, you can clearly tell. And, and I think that's pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I agree. I love that these actors don't know how to act each other because mm-hmm. they don't need to, because we have rescue and, Priest. Right, and then you have that Rasputin guy, right? Yeah, he's so, fucking nuts. You know? <laughs> yeah, and and it's 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 beautiful too because you know it's kind of like every every uh you know like ultra villain has his nemesis and he has his Renfield, right? That that lackey, that bootlick that will do everything and anything asked because they are hoping for a slight favor from their overlord that is going to put them in the same position well you know that's never going to happen but yeah you know this movie has everything that that it needs to be a very effective gothic sci-fi because i I don't think this of a horror movie i think it more of like a gothic sci-fi type of thing that had disappeared for a very long time and didn't come back to the screen until you know like alien so Yeah. yeah i really really enjoyed this movie and I'm glad I, I, I know about this movie now. Oh, yeah. Cool. Suzanne. Okay, this movie has shown up on 
of so many uh, box sets that I have. And I remember kind of watching bits and pieces of it growing up. But I'm going to just kind of sit. Everyone has covered a lot of different things. I'm going to cover my favorite parts of the movie. I absolutely love the Rasputin character. I mean, they nailed it right down to the Russian count and countess with this. I shall have to go pray for forgiveness for basically telling your wife she's a fucking whore. And the charisma between Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, I just, it's, they, they just, they don't, and they really don't outact each other. They just share space in a beautiful kind of way. But one of my favorite aspects of this movie is, I, I, I love it because I see it in a lot of different Italian movies. I love quack science. I love it so very much. I love the autopsy when they open up the brain pan and the skull and the, and the brain is smooth. And they're going through and looking through the eyeball. And Argeno used that in Four Flies on Grey Velvet. And just kind of taking images from the eye of things that were sound like that is that is Earth from space. What kind of new character? What what what, what is this? I love the use of science in this movie. I love the quack science. I think Telly Savalas rips the fucking screen up from the be- the very first shot you see of him with like two or three women, and you know he's banging them. And he's captain will be there. I am the captain. And he is literally just Telly Savalasing all over the place. His fucking outfit. Oh God. I, I, I'm sorry, but if I had that outfit, I would fucking take my dog for a walk in it three times a day. There, there is a Lovecraftian aspect to this. When you're out in, when you look at those scenes, when you just see the train from above, all I see in my mind's eye is Mountains of Madness. They're basically on a train going nowhere except to death and destruction. I enjoy every fucking frame of this movie. And it's one, the fact that it was public domain is, you know, I'm so glad it was because it kind of found an audience that way. But there is so much more to this movie that than meets the eye. You have got some so many great references, and as Iris pointed out, it's it's not, it, it's not it, there. There's a lot of science here. I mean, it may not be like normal science, but they are actually they are puzzling things out. They're autopsying. They are looking at. The eye, they are going through everything, but it's, it's got, it's, it's kind of not really for the time gory moments, but you've got a little bit of everything in this movie. I'm sorry. I, I love seeing Telly Savalas walking around with a fucking cutlass. This really did something for me. This is one of those movies that I really hope has not completely been forgotten because it shouldn't be and now the resurgence in all of this Lovecraftian horror and Lovecraftian and I hate saying Lovecraftian over and over if you've read any amount of Lovecraft most modern horror has some aspect of Lovecraft in it Mm -hmm. but this one 
you're just really, I swear, when I see them going along, you know, the, the freaking tundra, it's like, okay, they're on the plateau of Lang. And they've got basically the missing link, which is basically an alien with them. To, and it's, there's just, it's just a fun, it's it, not even, I don't, it, it is a fun movie. But I find this movie, each and every time I watch it, just a touch more interesting. Something will pop out that's going on in the dialogue that I missed on a prior watch. Yeah. It's. Uh, there, there is, like I said, there is so many layers to this. I mean, I didn't even want to, the acting, beside the point, but the story. There is something incredibly, at least for me, compelling. And I want more. And, you know, as also you're saying there about, you know, it has a little bit of everything. Um, it's even a little racy. I mean, there are so some innuendos that are just like, tossed in there like um oh when, yes <laughs> when they're gonna go do the autopsy and uh oh. he goes up to the doctor the female assistant and he says um i'm gonna need help with her and he's she's like well of course at your age you know <laughs> hmm, are you trying I, to say that you're uh wait huh <laughs> I, re- I really like awesome. that. Yeah, I really, really like that female assistant too. And you know, when I first I was shocked when you know she gets it, I'm like, whoa. Yeah, yeah you know, like, I didn't expect that because she seemed to be not not a, a central or a key character, but she was part of the main story, right? She was the assistant to um, she was a Cushing's block. character, right? Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> oh, I love when at the beginning. I mean, in she he's like well she's the best bacteriologist and (laughs) and she's like yeah for a woman and (laughs) christopher lee just has that like standard (laughs) (laughs) right it's just that look it's kind of like you know your mother's look when 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 you get that mother's look you're like oh fuck (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's the same thing it's the same thing but sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that that was just oh, I did that moment. Oh, I know, I didn't mean to go and jump in on everyone. I've, but like I said, these every it's so I find it incredibly wonderful that we all found just a certain aspect of this movie that we found absolutely fascinating. Yeah, uh, yeah, and you know the thing that another thing that I forgot to mention about the score when I mentioned it, I love that the main theme is the whistle that the creature whistles. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which is beautiful because it's already setting up that thing of where they're like, well, it's remembering everything. It's taking those memories. It's taking everybody's wrinkles out of their brain. So mm-hmm. therefore, that explains why he would be whistling. Yeah. Uh, it, it's like that thing when you're watching the scene when he's, you know, they're in the the storage, the the, the whatever the fuck that thing is. You know what I'm talking about. On the and. Tree? Yeah, on the train, yes. Where I mean, the cargo, the cargo hold. There you go. And thank you. <laughs> it's been a long <laughs> night. And all of a sudden, you see him popping screws and nails out and bending them because I was when I watched it last night. I haven't watched it maybe shit ten years. And it's like one of those movies. It's a, over time you kind of glide over certain aspects of it. But I, I kind of watched it almost for the first time again last night. And you see him popping out the screws and bending them. 
and playing around. I'm like, okay, if you're a fucking caveman, how the fuck can you pick up? Oh, wait, I got you now. Yeah. Yeah, and see, that's what's so cool about it. It doesn't leave you hanging. You know, it it answers the questions. It wraps everything up in a really nice bow yeah. and presents it to you. Yeah, especially when you find out the first victim was the locksmith. Mm-hmm. Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why all of a sudden that scene all of a sudden totally made sense to me after I've seen this maybe four times. And like I said, it's, I guess it's just one of those things you just... I caught this and I've seen the beginning, the middle and the end. Maybe I just never watched them in a complete row and miss certain aspects. But I'm like that the end of the movie, like I said, it was like watching it for the first time. That was absolutely fucking fascinating. And now that question is answered for me. If you girls really love this movie, you got to pick up the arrow Blu-ray. It looks gorgeous. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think YouTube didn't look too bad. No, the one that I watched actually looked because I watched it on Shutter instead of watching one of my Mill Creeks. It was on Shutter, and honestly, it looked great. Yeah, that's probably the Arrow transfer. I know Shutter and Arrow usually share some titles. Yeah, this film had kind of like a big resurgence because because of Shutter, people started watching it and talking about it, which is always a good thing when people bring up horror films that maybe not a lot of folks have seen and and um. That's always great, and me, me, me myself, I think this film sucks balls royally. It's not very good at all, and you know, everything you guys said is wrong about it. No, no I'm playing it. It's, 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 it's a lot of fun. It's a lot I'm of fun. I'm about to hang up on you, man. Man, oh man. <laughs> no, no. I was gonna just invite you from Christmas. Man, <laughs> it is a lot of like uh, you, you can tell these guys work together a lot. It, Cushing and Lee, because the chemistry's there, and. I love, I love, you know, the the rivalry aspects of it. Like, like Christopher Lee thinks he found like the greatest scientific find of all time. They always think that, and you know, the doc- missing link. The missing link, yes. And Doctor Wells is there, c- kind of goading him a little bit. I kind, I kind of like that aspect of this movie. And the creature is is minimalistic. I I, I discussed this um somewhere else, you know, to where you have the creature. Which basically you see is a pair of red eyes and like a furry hand. That's how you know the creature is, is when he comes. And they, they had enough sense to say, hey, budget is a thing and we don't want to look stupid. So we're just going to have these glowing red eyes and this furry hand. So you know when the creature's going to show up. And like 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 Iris said, the science stuff really, really holds it together. How the creature could be so, so smart, you know, all this time is... Is literally cleaning somebody's brain pan with each kill and gaining their wisdom and gaining their power that's and sucking. Yeah, that's sucking uh, the brain pan dry. There you go. And, le- and taking all of the wrinkles out. Really works in in, in this movie. And um, Telly, you know, just plowing those young ladies in the most cramped spaces. I uh, I think he's the MVP in this movie from that that aspect alone. Because you know, you don't see what's going on underneath that big coat, but you'd imagine he's getting it in with these young ladies. And because uh, he because he's because oh, yeah. he's the captain, you know. And um, he's Telly. He's, I'm he's, the captain. Who loves you, baby? Who loves you, baby? Oh man. Yeah, I really I'll, want to make a joke about the lollipop, but I just can't. Yeah. <laughs> the setting, the setting is great on this because they, it's, it's not like 
and terror train they're able to stop the train and, and look around yeah. here they're literally like on a mountain on this train you know and they can't really stop anywhere so they're stuck on this train with this creature <clears throat> they can't stop and and i i i, I kind of dig it quite a bit and i love the spy saboteur angle of this to say hey these these old stuffy British dudes came on this train full of Asian people and then Spanish people. <laughs> what's what's in the box, kid? And they 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 find out what's in the box, and you know they let it out, and all hell breaks loose, and everything you guys said, you know, because it's been a lot of a lot discussed already, and has a pretty satisfying ending. Um, what else can I say? You guys can go watch this on Shutter or on YouTube or. Whatever you guys choose, better print on Shutter, obviously, and apparently AMC Plus if you have that. Um, I'll look for some 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 quickie info if I could find any, because I remember having this on quite a few compilation DVDs too <laughs> before it got you know good stuff, yeah, you know, good good releases. Um, yeah, you mentioned the wife's death. Um, we got here. Yeah. Uh, fueled by frequent airings on TV through the 70s and 80s, because public domain, like Derek said. Uh, filmed in December 1971, the first Christmas for Peter Cushing since the January 14th of his de- as, 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 uh, of his wife. Uh, Christopher Lee's family made a, a, as warm an affair as possible for Cushing, uh, so he can grieve his wife. Um, yeah, despite the freezing working conditions and abominable food, this movie provided one of the few co-starring roles where the two actors got to work in unison rather than opposing one another which is you know unusual because usually ones if you watch the hammer horror films and other horror films like that um they're always against each other so it's kind of nice to working together on this one um yeah yeah oh well this makes sense uh most of the movie was shot without audio recording the soundtracks and dialogue were all added in post-production which, if you watch the ADR, it's pretty flawless in that sense. So there's that. Um, gotcha. Telly was paid $22,000 for a short stint in the movie. And um <laughs> delighted to have him. Well for Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> he used the cash to get a seven-year lease on a West End apartment for him and his, his then-girlfriend. So there's that. Uh, adapted from the same movie we're going to talk about next. That, um who goes there by by John W. Campbell Jr. So, yeah. uh, what else we got yeah. here? Ooh, there's some other shit. In there Released too. the same year as Dracula AD 1972. Yeah, exactly. It is that. Yeah. Um, well, 72 was a fantastic year because that was the year I was born. I was trying to hold back my my erection on that one thing about Carolyn Monroe, but you know, thanks, thanks, Derek. Now, now I'm all I'm all. Uh, thinking about stuff there, there's that and uh <laughs> oh my gosh but yeah a lot, lots of fun to be had in this movie you know and there's a lot of history in here and a, a lot of a lot of you know random monster effects including that that noise you guys are talking about and i, I love a good a good cheesy monster but this one has some science behind it too so it keeps it keeps you interested along to have with having a cheesy monster and i I have to, I have to commend it for that. Yeah, because like the first time I ever seen this movie, uh, when the monster dies midway in the movie, I'm like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, no, it's and, come on. It's it, another like random movie I love 
but it's terrible. It's called The Hidden. And it's basically the it, the monster jumps. Yeah. It goes from from host to host. And I'm, I have no idea. I think I just wanted to mention The Hidden because I really like it a lot. Yeah, Jason Goes to Hell also rips this movie off. There you go. I, I do enjoy Jason Goes to Hell. And the hidden, you know, I, I could again, I could like both, like like the dread movies. I could like both, damn it, you know. Um, I'll kick it to Iris the raid. Yeah, well, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'll kick it to uh, Iris first. <laughs> Iris first, and uh, anything else she'd like to say about the film? What does she give a one to ten? Well, let's see. I'm gonna give this movie uh, a nine, and I it's because it it just had everything. I needed in it for me. There was the science, the pseudoscience, um, you know, that gothic type of sci-fi, uh, down to the locked room mystery murder, you know, because basically the isolation of that group of people on the train in the middle of nowhere gives it that locked room murder mystery type of feel to it also. So, yeah, I give it a nine. Cool. Suzanne? Well, another locked room mystery, and it's it's for me. I've always enjoyed it, but it's always been kind of the lamest. But I've always enjoyed the original Murder on the Orient Express, and watching it every time I've watched it, the first thing that pops into my mind is the original Murder on the Orient Express, but with uh, being from another planet. And once again, you've nailed it with locked room mystery. I just there this movie. There's so there's so much depth to it, and you don't even have to look that hard for it. It presents everything in a nice, neat little package. It is just it's I, I just can't even. Like I said I, I felt like I watched it last night, and it was probably my fifth or sixth viewing of it. A little bit more seemed to come to the surface. And I'm seriously straight up with Iris on this. It's a nine. There is, you can see aspects of this movie in so many other movies. And we'll get into that story when we talk about our next movie. But yeah, I'm, I'm straight up with a nine. Cool. Derek. Yeah. Uh, my drop pitches. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is one of my favorite seventies films of all time. I love this movie with a passion. Uh, it's, you know, I get more out of it with each view in which, like Suzanne said, you know, you get more and you, you pick, you, you get when you, cause I seen this movie wicked young and I'm like, okay, that was a thing. But then I kept watching it and started to notice things about it. That's how like rewatches are key people. And that's this movie gets better on every view. And, and it's up there for me as one of the, my go-tos to recommend to people that want to get into seventies horror. It has everything that I love about the 70s in it, and it's great. So for that reason, it's going to be a 10 out of 10 for me. I love this movie. woo Yay! Yeah, me, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with them. Yeah, as far as, like, cl- close enough, I'm, I'm going to give it an 8, though, because, like, like Derek said, it requires, it requires rewatches, because there's going to be stuff you don't catch, and when you catch those things, you know, it, it makes the movie all that much better. This is one of those things where... If you don't catch everything, you you watch it again, it it exponentially gets better. So where if you watch it the first time, like oh, like Derek, when you watched it younger, you probably thought it was more like a six or like a middle of the road. But when you 
you, you dissect it and you realize all the stuff that that is going on in this movie, it, it, it it'll get higher and higher. So, don't let my aid fool you. Listen to their nines and tens, people, because they 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 loved it, and you guys will probably love it too. But like I said, it might require a couple times to watch it, like like Derek said, and um, yeah. And, and don't take my nine, my ten serious, folks, because I give demons a ten out. <laughs> As I love so. demons, rightfully so. As well, you should. I do too. Come on, man. She's a friend of mine. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't pull off that white suit, but that man can, like nobody's business. Okay. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> but uh, t- 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 next up, we're gonna talk about True Blue. Uh, Remake and classic in its own right. Um, 1982's The Thing, that that, that John Carpenter joint. Uh, right after this trailer. discovered something. For 100,000 years, it was buried in the snow and ice. Now it has found a place to live, inside, where no one can see it, or hear it, or feel it. I know I'm human. Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, and it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You guys gonna listen to Gary? We can feed one of those things! That's the thing from 1982, of course, directed by John Carpenter, written by Bill Lancaster, and starring a whole bunch of people. Of course, effects by by Rob Bottin, a young young Rob Bottin. Um, Kurt Russell as McCready, our, our bearded hero, of course. Wilford Brimley as you know, don't put your fingers in my mouth, Doctor Blair, because you freak Gary out. Um, Keith, Keith, uh, he don't believe in that voodoo bullshit. Uh, David as Childs, uh, lover of dogs. Um, I have I have an autograph, and he, which is awesome. Richard Mazur is Clark. He he signs his name, his character name, and he signs for the dog too. The dog's name was Zeb. The the the, oh. the dog that is the name that became that became the thing. You know. Yeah. So I'm I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a proud owner of that picture. Um, T.K. Carter, uh, who I know from Punky Brewster as Nalls, uh, David Clennon, son of a bitch, as, as Palmer, 
Just letting the letting the thing go murder those dogs. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Things that make Gary cry. Richard Dysart is Dr. Copper. Charles Hallahan is Vance Morris. Uh, Peter Maloney is Bennings. Donald Moffat is Gary. These are all important. They're all they're all in the thing. Joe Polis is Fuchs. Tom is G. Waits, who we talked about the Warriors on last call. Torchies as Windows, and some people who play in a region people. And of course, Adrian Barbeau, <laughs> that, that 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 cheating bitch. That's a cheating bitch. <laughs> Adrian Barbeau is the cheating bitch, you know, who was his wife at the time, I believe. Is that, that true? Checkmate. Checkmate, yeah. Yeah, girl, girlfriend at the time wanted to. Um, this is a film, if you don't know the plot, I'll, I'll read it to you guys. It's just because you've lived under a rock, apparently. A research team in Antarctica is hunted by a shape-shifting alien that assumes the appearance of its victims. Yeah, big old cast. Lots to talk about. Not a lot to this man, all I'm sure, because everybody's fucking seen it. But I'm going to kick it to Suzanne first. Okay, straight up, this is in my top 15 favorite horror movies. Or favorite, not even horror movies. Favorite movies of all time. I didn't even have to watch this. I did want to, but, well, the day got away from me. And I apologize for that. But there, what can you say about this movie? Once again, this is one of those movies that if you are even remotely a horror fan, this is the movie you seek out. It's also one of John Carpenter's absolute best. In his heyday, this is straight up just amazing. And you mentioned when we were talking about Horror Express that it was based on Who Goes There by John Campbell. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I read the I've read that story. Who goes there? I went and went after I finished it. Surprisingly, AMC during Monster Vision did the thing from another planet. And I think the most faithful adaption of that yeah, adaptation of that story is the thing. I think John Carpenter really tore through that source material and created it's 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 so superior to anything else that is tried i love the cast and honestly if you look at a research station where they're going to be pretty much left there for six to nine months they could not have captured the essence of that better than they did you're all dependent upon each other basically for survival you know make sure the doors are closed bad things don't happen and now you have this The way the movie starts with the snipers trying to kill the dog and they take the dog shelter. And I I don't know. It's I know I am so scatterbrained right now and I apologize for that. I love everything about this movie. I I love the evil fucking chess bitch. And I think this is one of my favorite movies Kurt Russell was ever in. You know, followed only by Big Trouble in Little China, but that's another movie for another time. Hell yeah. It's no tango and cash, but it fits the bill, okay? You know. But I think, once again, this is, we keep bringing it up, but it is, once again, it's a smaller version of At the Mountains of Madness by Lovecraft. They came, they saw, they went insane. 
after they were tortured. That's every Lovecraft story, though. (laughs) Oh, very, very much so. But, I mean, he he actually spent more than 10 pages discussing the madness. (laughs) But, I mean, once again, another thing that adds to this is just Robertine's effects when that... One of these years, I'm totally going to do it. I'm doing jello shots with everybody's names on them. And I hope you guys come to Chicago for that. But when that, when you're sitting there watching it, even though you know what's going to happen, when he sticks the hot wire in there and that explodes, it you just feel the, the electricity of everybody trying to get away. And Richard Masseur and the dog. That was, I think, one of the first movies I saw with that kind of, you know, major special effect. I, it was, a, there was that special time in the 80s where you had The Howling, you had American Werewolf in London, you had The Thing, you had some of these master makeup artists, and you were genuinely thrown back because you had no idea what was going to happen. And this movie kind of takes me back there. Seeing every time I watch the thing, it seems like I watch it for the first time every time. And I love the ending. I think everyone has heard me bitch, whine, and moan about the only perfect ending is where everybody dies. But sometimes you kind of want some of them to live, even though you know that it's too bleak and they're not going to survive. But you have that itty-bitty, for some characters, a little bit of hope. But this is just a fantastic movie. It is a must. And I'm going to leave it there. I'm sure after when it's somebody else's turn, I'll think of something else. But at the moment, I'm just going to leave it there. Cool. Iris. All right. So (laughs) this movie, Um, I got to see this movie in the movie theater. The first time I sat and watched it, it was with my parents. And I begged to see it again and this is okay way back then children um in the 80s you could sit you'd pay for your you know to go in and there was usually two movies and you'd go in and and if you were halfway through the movie you could sit through until you what you watch and then you would leave i begged begged my parents if we could sit and watch and just stay so we could watch this again because it was just mind-blowing the very first time i watched this it was just so just so beautiful and you know um even at that age i was um you know i was already reading lovecraft and stuff like that so i immediately recognized what this was and i was in complete awe that something like this was was on the screen and of course you know as a kid i was just uh, and I, i still am i'm a very big reader and um, let's see, I think it was, was it like my sixth, my sixth or seventh grade uh, literature class. We were reading, um, we were reading a few of the, the social um, commentary type of uh, science fiction. And one of those stories was the thing from another world. And of course, we were going into what exactly that was a social commentary of. And you know, of course, you know, it's that fear, that paranoia that thing of there's a monster around the corner and it could be you or it could be you or it could be you. And of course, you know, 1951, the breakdown was, of course, um, 
you know, what, what was the big thing? It was the Red Scare, right? Everybody was a communist and the communists were hiding in, you know, just they were hiding behind the curtain and they were hiding in this person. And so just that fear and paranoia that this movie just beautifully brings out, right? Because Carpenter is so, he is so skilled in building an atmosphere and building tension at the same time, right? And even even with the the very first thing you see is this helicopter and a dog. And what person doesn't get tense when a dog's going to die on screen? Every fucking person in this that I know, we get tense. We're like, oh, fuck, you're not going to shoot the dog, are you? And then this beautiful score, boom, boom, right? And it's it's so organic. I mean, it, it's like a fucking heartbeat, right? And you're right there with that dog and it's running and your heartbeat is probably just going with the song itself. And you know what? And, and it's just, then you find out it's Ennio, of course. Who else could it be, right? And then it's just, and it's organic throughout, right? This whole movie is just organic because you have the isolation. You have, you know, this person, we don't trust them. So we're going to stick them over here. But then, well, is it really that person, right? And then, okay, well, now we have to test everybody, but we're like, no, you're not. What's going on right now? It's exactly what's going on right now with that. Like, no, I don't want to get tested. I'm not going to have a vaccine. I don't know what's in it. You know, it's stuff like that. So it's just this, this mistrust, this paranoia, and it is something that is so, it's so tangible for everyone because everybody feels this emotion at one time or another in their life, that paranoia, that mistrust of, Oh, something's just not right here, right? And this is this whole movie. And then you get this beautiful ending of, well, shit, he died, she died, everybody died. Oh, and then there's the she, right? There is not a single female in this movie, which is another thing that I fucking love because there was no need for that, right? The Mm -hmm. story itself is what hooks you in. You don't need tits and ass to kind of keep you interested, it's I'm sorry. Oh no, that was another thing. Lovecraft never wrote a single female character, and I think that Carpenter carried that through in this movie. Yeah, no, and, and I totally agree. I mean, with the thing of another world, um, there was that female, but not because you needed tits and ass, but it was because you had to have that. Uh, well, it's it's a damsel in distress. We must we must protect the damsel well, in distress, right? Because that, that was the, the theme back then. But again, it was like one of those 1950s sci-fi females to where they had some intelligence and they had some independence. They weren't all the way damsels in distress. And the, and the one in Think from the World from the 50s really wasn't either. So I think that in that movie it works. You know, in this yeah, movie, it has, yeah. But, but it was more the perception of damsel in distress than an actual damsel in distress exactly it was kind of like uh in iris in i think it was what the strange planet where she's the doctor uh and but it's you know the two manly astronauts to keep her safe uh when she was you know the one person that knew the science but you know they didn't need that here and i think it's because the story just took you where you needed to be uh, the action is in there. You've got beautiful gore, you know, bot, 
<clears throat> Botten's creatures were fucking amazing. I mean, there was first time ever that I had seen a practical creature like that. And, oh, I know, agree, a hundred percent. You know, up in the big screen, it 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 just it was just so big, right? And and, and here you are sitting in the dark, and there's this just huge creature with you know throwing tentacles, which are very you know phallic and. It's just it was randomized and shit. Right, exactly. You know, and then there's the head that crawls around, and it was just horrific. It was it was a horrific, beautifully filmed movie. I mean, yeah, I like you, Suzanne. This this is a go-to. This is a this is a canon. This belongs in the canon of sci-fi horror. And if you say that you're into this and you haven't seen this movie, you're not into it. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Mic drop. Derek. You gotta be fucking kidding me. All right. Uh, the Thing, 1982. Uh, what can I say that hasn't been said already about this movie? To me, this is Pete Carpenter, which, you know, I love a lot of John Carpenter movies. I think this is probably his best horror film. And I know that's controversial to say that because everyone's like, oh, I thought Halloween was. Halloween's a classic. It's in its own right. But I think this is where he gets to do something that he always wanted to do. This feels like a movie that's totally John Carpenter waving his big director dick around. And he's just masterful at it. The cinematography by Dean Cundy, top notch. And the thing that I love about The Thing is watching reactions of people on YouTube watching the thing for the first time. Because, you know, you're right, Iris, about the dog scene. Because everyone's like, oh, not the dog. Why are you going to go shoot the dog? And then the reveal happens. They're like, holy shit, the Russian, the Nor- the Swedes were right. They're not Swedes, they're Norwegian. Norwegians, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, the fucking Kurt Russell's character, I love that he's just... The beginning of the movie, he's just like, this a guy that's supposed to stay in his hut and get drunk. <laughs> and he grows into, dwells, he has to become a leader in this situation because he's like, I'm the only one who knows what the fuck I'm doing. And, you know, I like his character a lot because there's some underlines that he has, like, uh, stress from the war because, you know, he has that small line, I'm a light sleeper, child, you know. So there's some paranoia, <laughs> you know, with his character throughout it. The thing... I love about this, and I mentioned Quatermass earlier, but there's another Quatermass movie called The Quatermass Experiment, which is about this astronaut that comes back from outer space, and he starts to mutate slowly. Like, his hands turn into something that kind of looks like Benin's hands in this movie, and then the final form of this thing looks like the thing in the dog kennel. So, yeah, Carpenter is a huge Quatermass fan. Uh, actually, funny enough, he actually has an interview where he's talking about uh, that movie on the Blu-ray release that I have. Uh, so, yeah, he borrows a lot from, you know, Lovecraft and, you know, those old sci-fi Hammer movies that he loves. But he also borrows a lot from another movie that kind of gets lost in the conversation when talking about paranoia and horror, and that is a movie called Matango, AKA attack of the mushroom people, uh, which was directed by Ishiro Honda, which was actually based on a short story by, uh, the guy who inspired Lovecraft, uh, John, uh, what the fuck was his last name? Uh, 
but uh yeah there's a lot of it's about this group of socialites from japan that are on a boat ride and they end up getting shipwrecked on this uh, island and all that's on this islands are these giant mushrooms and there's no food they run out of food that one guy is stealing food and keeping it for himself and then they start eating these mushrooms and they find out everything on this island used to be uh human and this fungi is turning these people into mushrooms yes the paranoia strikes in and you know that you know they've been bombarded they get attacked and they don't trust each other people end up killing one another and he borrows a lot from that because you know even he says that honda was one of his cinematic gods in that sense and but he borrows a lot of other things like it's kind of interesting that this is probably one of the only Carpenter films that he didn't actually do the score for. It's kind of interesting in that aspect because, you know, he's a composer in his own right. But, you know, he loves Westerns and he he's like, I'm going to work with Ennio Americoni that build like this. Because the thing is, this feels like a upside down siege narrative where these people are stuck inside because they can't go out because it's frozen. You have to be, it's a siege from the cold, but it's also a siege inside with one another. So, it, it's, you know, because a lot of the times Carpenter's movies are like uh, uh, disguised westerns in a sense where, you know, Escape from New York, they live, they all have those western overtones to them. And this one does too. And I love that Marconi score, like Iris said earlier. Uh, the film starts with this heartbeat and it only comes a few times later in the movie like there's one scene later where you know before the power gets shut off from the station but then it comes in at the end and the ending is the most beautiful part of this movie because it's ominous because you know another thing i like to watch is people's reactions to the end and they're like what the fuck you know like who you know is he the thing you know is they the thing you know are they both not the thing you know <laughs> It's kind of cool in that aspect because you don't know. It's ominous, which is a thing that, you know, people don't realize. And unfortunately, since we have 4,000 Halloween sequels now, uh, <laughs> I love the ending of the original Halloween because it's also ominous. And it gets kind of ruined when it, they try to explain shit in every fucking movie, in every different Choose Your Adventure sequel. <laughs> but yeah, uh, this is one of my favorite endings. Because you're right, it is completely ominous. What is going to happen? Do they live? Do they die? Or they they really can't... It, what? I mean, you can blow it up, but is it possible a portion of it is going to lay dormant in the tundra long after they're gone? Well, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. They're, they're sitting there, you know, they're talking to each other, and there's a line. It's, it's just pretty... It, it pretty much explains everything, what's, what's going to happen. <laughs> When Kurt Russell McCready says, you know, you know, maybe we shouldn't get out of here. I, I paraphrase, of course, but that that's that means that they're gonna sit there until they fucking freeze to death and freeze over, because one of them thinks that the other one is the thing, and because the one may may or may or may or may not have interacted with Blair, who is is the thing at the end of this movie, you know, and uh. I'm okay now. I'm okay now. I want to come back inside. Oh, so good. So good. I'm okay now. He builds a new he builds a news that clearly won't support him. L lovely guy though, you know. It's, it's, uh... <laughs> yeah. Continue, I'm sorry. Yeah. 
No, it's on rewatch, especially on the last few rewatches with the 4K. I like when you don't know, but once you know who actually becomes the thing, I like. This is a little spoiler. If you haven't seen the thing, real quick, I gotta talk about it. I like how Norris and Palmer are kind of like these background characters for the movie where they don't really say a lot until they have to to keep the image up. But once you see them, you know, they're not, they're very quiet. Like, you know, that whole scene with like uh, when Gary's flipping out and he, you know, he's like, Norris, you take lead. He doesn't know how to react at first. I think that's the beauty of it. Yeah. But it's it's great on rewatch because you don't know that until it actually happens, and when you rewatch it, it's like, oh, okay, because you know then Palmer is like that too, and but you you think it when first time watch it's because Palmer's a fucking space cadet. <laughs> you know? Shit, Doc, I'll give you a lift. Thanks for thinking about it, though. You know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and you know it makes those scenes even more impactful, especially when you're watching with somebody who hasn't seen it for the first time. Yeah, first time watchers, it's it's a lovely thing too. It, it's like you're not watching the movie; you're watching them and their reaction. Yeah, and then you're, when you're they look of, at you, and they're like, "Yeah, is that?" And you're like, "You you just like smile and nod." <laughs> you know? uh, like, I got. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna send you the guys a YouTube clip. This guy made like this edited all like the reaction videos together of them watching different scenes of the thing. <laughs> oh, and, please do, please do. And, and the dog one's great. Everyone's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Don't kill the dog, god damn it! And then after the reveal, what <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> yeah, me, myself, yeah, it, it's it's a great film. It's just not a film I liked right away, because I've I seen it way too early, so much like Horror Express, if you don't if you don't care for the science aspects of movies like this, you're not going to enjoy it as much as you think it is. There's a lot of science involved, and when they find out what the thing is and how it replicates and blah blah blah, you know, there's a lot there's a lot going on there. So as as like eight year old me, who who's seen who's seen stuff like Halloween and is loose used to that kind of stuff from from Carpenter, he would really hated Prince of Darkness too. But he loves it now because it's the devil's bukkake. You gotta love that in your mouth, right? You know, that's uh, uh. Oh my God! Thanks, Gary. <laughs> Green devil jizz all up in your mouth, man. Come on now, watch out. They spit. But um, oh yeah. yeah you've been taunting me with that for years. Because Prince of Dark, Prince, Prince of the Darkness is just great because it's Donald Pleasance and Victor Wong acting each other with their dicks. How like? Yep. Yep. It's great. <laughs> very, very fun. But this movie, you know, I, I love all the characters in the movie because they all they all have like the, their moments. You know, I, I I always get really sad when when Windows gets 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 killed because yeah, he's just trying to be helpful while everybody thinks he's the thing, but he gets unceremoniously eaten by this creature who splits his head open and then. Grabs his torso and twirls him around, and then it's just uh, yeah, download- after the jello shots, <laughs> he downloads he downloads Windows. He downloads Windows. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Oh man, Nalls, uh, our, our cook of the film, who just wants people to keep their dirty drawers out of his kitchen garbage. You know, he likes to clean. Well, you know, while well, he's jamming the Stevie Wonder on rollerblades, gotta love it, man. Gotta love yeah. him. Childs, you know, Keith David. I love him many, many things, and you know he's 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 as cool in real life as he is in these movies. And uh, um, 
We didn't talk about the elephant in the room. You know, once the the dog gets inside, fucking Palmer makes makes Clark put him away with the other dogs, and it's really telling, especially if you've seen the film before. What happens when the dog gets in the cage? He comes in real slow, very sinister like, and then he lays down. And the other dogs are positioned in a way where, you know what, some don't smell right, so we're gonna we're gonna lay over here. And then what happens next happens next. And if you're a dog lover, an animal lover, there's the thing as is the dog, and the dog starts to absorb these animals, and they're they're crying and they're clawing against the 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 wooden doors. You can see their claws digging in desperately, trying to escape and. It's really hard to watch as an animal lover, but I, I even I even fast forwarded part of it during this viewing because, much like Derek, much like all of us, because I, I share my Voodoo account with these lovely ladies, uh, this looks great in 4K, so you, you should watch it in 4K, and I and I did because I didn't get to watch it yet in 4K, but um, very sad. So as at Halloween, you know, where Michael kills Lester the dog. You just kind of see the aftermath of him killing Russell the dog. In this one, you see these, the, the desperation of these animals and the love that, that Clark has for these animals when they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna kill... They're going to shoot the rest of these animals. And Clark has to be held back, and you can see the genuine emotion on Richard Mazur's face, that, that you know, his genuine love for these animals. Because that's like... I guess that's his job on the base, is to, to watch these dogs and to care for these dogs. And it, uh, it'll get you every time, son. Yeah, uh, Dr. Blair's freak-out moment, Wilford Brimley just losing his mind with an axe, just destroying everything, and... They want, they want to be ah, They want to be And, um, yeah, that's always awesome, and the aftermath of that, and the part that freaks me out the most when they go, go back to, to the camp, and they... He's the thing now, Blair is the thing now, he's, he's building, he's rebuilding the ship to leave, I guess, and... Uh, is it, is it Palmer? Palmer just left, right? He's he's down there with him, and he sticks his fingers in Palmer's face and starts to shake until he starts to put him in his mouth hole. And I, I'm genuinely, there's a lot of creature effects in this movie, but somebody sticking their fingers in my mouth and, and wiggling them around, it kind of freaks me out a little bit more than any creature in this film. And the after effect after? And the after effect after, <laughs> yes. a giant bowling bag? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's 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 nasty to me, you know. Um, David uh, Donald Moffat as Gary, who um, has the tied classic to this fucking couch. Yeah, yeah. Spent all winter tied to this fucking couch. It's it's so good. The line delivery of that, I can't do it myself because I ain't got those kind of pipes. Um, um, there's Benz was my friend. I knew him for ten years. <laughs> yeah. So much to love in this movie. But like you guys said, the the score, and uh, I think Morricone uh, watched some Carpenter films, listened to some Carpenter scores, because there, there's some beats in here that, that not, not that he borrowed, but I guess in tribute, you know, our our, our maestro took some, some beats from Carpenter, because you could tell even in the beginning of the film that it, it, it feels like a Carpenter score, but in certain parts, it's not, obviously. And I, I, I gotta I gotta love the maestro for Paying tribute to to a guy who really barely cut his teeth in the industry, but you know, hell, my favorite Carpenter score of yeah. all time is still Precinct Thirteen, and that was one of his first ones. 
So good. No, I still yeah. love uh, Escape from New York. That's my ringtone. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let Derek finish. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but it's so, it's so random when you hear some of the score of the thing in the Hateful Eight because, spoiler alert, a lot of the score for the Hateful Eight is actually unused music from the thing. Hmm. And to think that this score was nominated for a worst Razzie and the Hateful Eight score won an Oscar for best soundtrack. Yeah, this film crazy. This film was not. There's something seriously fucking wrong there. Well, this film was not successful when it came out. It it wasn't. I mean, I I could say that about about six Carpenter films at least. They weren't. They weren't successful when they came out. This Big Trouble Little China was not successful. But you know, what's great about our little community and our little. A circle of friends, uh, video store nerds who would go every, every weekend to go run tapes that you know you never seen before or watch them on HBO. They pick up traction, and this went from from cult classic to a film that everybody talks about now. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know the one of the reasons why this movie bombed, of course, is it came out the same weekend as another Universal movie, which also stars another alien. Et. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 fuck that, that hurt it. <laughs> that definitely hurt it. <laughs> but um, everything they said, great effects by Rob Botin. I, I was watching and I was watching part of this with um my cousin's eight year old child, and she doesn't like this kind of stuff. But we were at the part with, with the the hard paddle scene, and I was like, wait, wait for us. Something cool. Something, something cool is gonna happen. Wait, yeah. you know. And she she watched it. He goes, "Oh, that's so nasty." I was like, "Yeah, but it's real." Like they didn't have computers to make effects back in these days, so somebody built that. Don't you think that's cool? I asked her, and she goes, "Yeah, but it's still gross." You know, so she she's eight years old. She she don't it, care, but you know, it is pretty gross, especially when the the head's fucking falling off and all oh, yeah. that green shit comes out of it. It's like, but uh, it's important. Actually, it's important to show you know people stuff like that though that are young to say, hey. They didn't have computers, so somebody had to build this from the ground up, yeah. you know? Yeah, they actually homaged uh, that scene in the, the Ed Chapter 2. Yes, they did. And even yes. as uh, Bill, Bill Hader said, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah, yeah, they did that. They did that yeah. in that movie. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. I and, know. And, you know, actually, there's another... Uh, Homage, because uh, if you guys didn't know, I have a kaiju podcast. Oh, we yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, no. underwater kaiju from outer space. Where, you know, we actually, you know, there's this Godzilla movie that came out a few years called called Godzilla King of the Monsters, and uh, Godzilla uh, King Ghidorah, the base that King Ghidorah is at, is actually called Outpost Thirty Two. Do you do you oh. know why? I wonder. Because. It's a homage to the thing because the thing was Outpost Thirty One. Nice. Yeah, and actually, uh, spoiler alerts if you haven't seen that movie. Uh, Ghidorah's head actually gets ripped off and it grows back, and it kind of like when it's growing, it actually starts to spout like a little tongue and shit, kind of like the dog alien thing in the thing. It kind of oh. looks like that. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that. I have that movie. I'm gonna have to. Throw it on now. Yeah, I love that movie, and I love that they just throw out those little thing references in it. That's awesome. Yeah. I watched it, but I didn't watch it, watch it. Oh, no, no, no. See, I had to watch it, watch it, because I have a 
a, a nurt- I'm nurturing this love of Kaiju in, in my grandson, Victor. And, um, the first time, um, that he, you know, he was playing and he was like, Hey grandma, come play. So with my Kaijus, I almost teared up. Oh God, I would have. <laughs> oh. oh. And then he goes to school. He goes, he comes back, grandma. I'm like, what's up, buddy? He goes, none of the kids in my kindergarten class know what Kaijus are. I had to tell them. I'm like, well, good for you, buddy. Good, good for you, man. I, I, I was there, buddy. I know what you're talking about. You know, and it's good shit. It's good shit. And, and you know, you start him out young. I actually got uh, yeah. my, my, my little uh, nephew a Godzilla action figure for Christmas. So, yeah, it's always good in the hood when you have to get your young ones into kaiju. Heck, yes. Yeah, and I just keep nurturing my 55 year old child. Hey, man, you thought when I saw Godzilla Kings and the Moth- Monsters in the theaters, I was like bawling when Mothra was on screen and the music oh starts. Oh, my God. Me too. Yeah, oh, God. That was the one scene that I actually oh dropped God. that I was doing because my favorite part about the original Mothra is I love the two little, the, the little pixie girls. Yeah. For some reason, them. Them calling for Mothra, that was, I have no idea why I just got sucked into that little teeny tiny aspect. But when I saw the two little girls, the two little pixies, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, Mothra's coming. Mothra's coming! So everyone in my neighborhood, because I'm sure that my, my voice does carry, I'm sure everyone in my neighborhood knew that Mothra was coming. And then that's when Anvil starts playing Mothra. Mothra. Wait, did you say Anvil? Yeah, they did a song called Mothra. I had no idea Anvil did a song called Mothra. Now she's going to go listen to that. Right after this recording. (laughs) I'm like going and queuing it up now. Hell yeah. Mothra. Mothra. No, but it's the thing, man. How do we get the Mothra from the thing? I don't know. It's Masura. Ma- Masura? I'm sorry. Monsters, baby. Masura, yeah. Masura. Dongan urandonai. See you. Side, side note, it's great It's great <laughs> when you're in the theater because, you know, in, the, in that movie, it's like an orchestrated version. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you know the words anyways. <laughs> right? Right, exactly. <laughs> Oh my god, I, I was shocked. This happened a few years ago, but all of a sudden Willis so very, very, very confuzzled like I didn't know that there was a song called Godzilla. I'm like, yeah, it was done in the seventies by Blue Oyster Colts. Oh hell Damn. yes. And, and he was like, I had no idea. Mm-mm. Was, Fuck yeah, rock box. I got like. no ideas that there's a Godzilla song. <laughs> you actually oh, do a much better god. Willis than I do, Derek. <laughs> It was I hilarious. had no idea there was no fucking Godzilla song from the 70s. <laughs> this is the, the, the 70s is when Suspiria came out. And fuck that movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was so cool when, when I took Victor to go see um, uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters. And uh, uh, Godzilla starts playing at the, you know, at the end of the movie, but it's not the Blue Oyster call. He turns around and goes... I like the older song better, Grandma. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, me oh too. Oh, my too. God. Me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, the cover grew on me. You know, it fits the rest I of the I hate the cover. I, I like I kind of like it. 
I like it because it still has like that that you know the hype men screaming in the background. Go, Jira, Masora. You guys are better than that. We're we're going on some tangents here, so. I'm gonna kick it back, oh, Doc. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Let's bring no, it back. No, it's yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling. I'm pulling the reins of this bitch. I'm gonna kick it back to Iris and say, anything else you'd like to say about Das Dinger from 1982? Uh, and uh, <laughs> what's her rating one to ten? Obviously, we know what it probably is. You know. Oh, dude, this is this is a complete ten for me. It's it's just another one of those beautiful films. It's canon, um, and shit you know i don't know what more i can say than what i did i mean i get just so excited i don't know if you could tell when i was talking about this whole movie but yeah it's it's a 10 out of 10 cool derek uh mike dropped 10 out of 10 i i said all i could say about it it's fantastic like i said it's, it's in my top three favorite horror films of all time which also includes demons i might add you go derek <laughs> hell yeah we're still on the same page hell yeah it's good shit Suzanne. I dare anybody to find any fault with this movie. You can't. The movie is, is from beginning to end. This story is perfect. The scenery is perfect. I can't come up with a flaw. And I mean, there are several movies I feel this way about. But this one and a few others are straight up perfection. There is no improvement. Stop with the goddamn remakes that need to be done. It is a 10, and if anybody can find any flaw with this, I will do my best not to punch you. <laughs> in the re- in the in the, the prequels defense, th- those filmmakers want to make oh, a whole... God. No, no, listen, though. Listen, because this is very true. They want to make a whole other film than what got made, because when they got there, they said, well, you know what? All this isn't working... We're throwing all your ideas for practical effects out the window. It's all going to be computers. So, in in the filmmaker's defense, which, you know, it's not an awful film, but it could have been something much more, this prequel, you know, to the thing. So, I'll I'll give them that. I don't know. The thing that bothered me about it, you know, we're going on another side tangent, is why adding the American characters. I I get it. For audience, they be like, I don't want to go see a fucking all Norwegian yeah. subtitled version of the thing, you know. But it, it doesn't make any sense know, for the direction I, they want. Yeah, yeah, but I would love it too, you know. Yep, yeah. but yeah, it's a ten. It, it, it's 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 damn near perfect, if not perfect as it is, because you know, and watching all these effects in 4K only makes it better. So just it, uh, yeah, worthy investment in 4K. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to add, like, because I actually we did a review of Beetlejuice earlier, and we watched that in 4K. And you know, I had some gripes with some of the effects in Beetlejuice when watching it on 4K, but these effects still hold up today. They're like some of the best practical effects ever on film. Slimy ones too. Movie. Oh, absolutely. Now that's what makes a lot of these movies for me is the fact that actual art was involved. And not some moron in their mom's basement in front of a computer. Yeah. Someone actually put, Jesus, I can't even count how many hours into doing this to the point where it looks fucking flawless. Well, the dude caught pneumonia. He had ulcers. Uh, You know, he was (laughs) 
stupid, overexhausted. So yeah, there was a lot of uh, literally blood, blood and tears, sweat, blood and tears in that. Yeah. And it shows. It's perfect. It literally is perfect. It rocks. Indeed it does. I have four co- copies of this fucking movie on Blu-ray. <laughs> I should tell you something. <laughs> well, some Oh, God, I've got at least three. Well, some look better than other ones. So, you know, I, I used to have like four copies of Pumpkinhead because they all had different extras on them. <laughs> I just bought that steelbook of Pumpkinhead because I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> I, I go big or go home. You go big, go home for sure. I have to look this up real fast now because I know Rob Bottin did oh, the effects dang. for The Fly. It's just um, I was curious about The Fly too now, just to see. I thought I thought that was Chris Wallace. He, yeah, it was show. Chris. It was Chris Wallace that directed the movie. He didn't do the the effects though, and neither did, did um Rob Bottin. I was gonna blame him for two dog cries in my life, so now I can't do that because. The Fly Two has a pretty tragic scene with the dog too, so yeah, <laughs> I can't I can't blame him for that one. But um, that's it for the thing. There's tons more we could talk about, we're not, but we're not gonna because <laughs> we could be here all fucking night doing this shit. Indeed, you know? indeed. You never know. You never know, man. But um, we'll be right back. Um, we're gonna close out the show. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com, the Psychosemantic Podcast. Uh, <coughs> masterful show, guys. Uh, sp- special thanks to, to our man here, Der- Derek Bourgeois, who... Is on many many shows, and he could tell them all, t- tell us all about him right now. Bless you, Suzanne. I'm sorry. Sure. First off, it was a God bless you too, Suzanne. Uh, but uh, I, it's an honor to be on because behind the scenes thing, uh, uh, I was actually on episode of Simmer B. So technically, that episode wasn't released because it was lost in on the fortunate fire that happened. Yep. Uh, with Gary's. We're going to do it again, though, guys, because uh, we already talked to Carly about this one, so when she gets some time away, Carly and Derek come back, and we'll uh, we'll do a film that makes Suzanne cry, probably. You know, I don't know. We'll think about it, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Plague Dogs, baby. Come on now. Oh, hell no. <laughs> well, and, 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 white dog. and Isle of Dogs, too. That's that's fun, you know. Yeah, Isle of Dogs has a good end. It's a happy ending. It does have a happy ending. Come on, no, Sue. No, I doesn't think so. Get, get over it. Get, get over it. Come on. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it was an honor to make this my first official uh, Cinema Beef episode that I the guest on. And it was an honor that I get to talk about two uh, of my favorite movies together. It was awesome. And uh, honored because, you know, me and Gary and Suzanne have recorded a bunch of times before, but it's an honor to actually record with Iris because I've been actually listening to her for a while. Uh, Thank you. We both survived Mike Merriman. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. You know, so uh, there's that because uh, I'm on a show with Mike that we know as No More Room in Hell with I Do with Mr. Venom. And uh, yeah, I usually, you know, they make me watch movies. I make them watch movies. You know, 
I think I'm going to troll pick some fucking terrible movies for them one day because they'll be like, I, I try to bring good movies like the infamous without warning review where it's like me just loving the movie and they're like, yeah, this movie's not great. It has terrible sound issues. I'm like, it's fucking awesome. It has Jack Palance and Myron Landau fucking acting their heart out. But, and, you know, and flying space vaginas with teeth. Exactly. <laughs> What's not that movie fun? used to scare the shit out of me when I was a kid. Yeah. It was like one of those like midnight HBO movies that I snuck out of bed and sat in front of the TV to watch. And the second I saw the fucking flying disc thing, I was fucking terrified. And then when you see the alien, I was fucking scared. That movie that's that's like one of my original movies that scared the shit out of me, and then I just got, I wanted to find more movies that scared me that bad. Hell yeah! But uh, yeah, yeah. Go back and listen to that episode. That's a classic. It actually built a lot of uh, future things that happen on the show. But uh, we also do uh, another No More Room in Hell show called No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts, which is me and Mister Venom and Mister Donnelly talking about all types of creature features. We actually have an episode planned where we're going to be doing the infamous film Santa Jaws. <laughs> oh, have you guys do have you guys done uh, Shark Exorcist? Not yet. We actually are only 3 episodes in on the show just started. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But we'll say we'll say that for a rainy day. San- I, I have... Santa Jaws though. It's it's decent. I'll give it that, you know. It'll be the first time Is it better than Great White? It has a shark with actually a Santa Claus hat on its fin. Yes. It's better than Great White. How shark I can recommend that's better than Great White. You know, Go Shark's amazing. <laughs> Go Shark's amazing. But uh, yeah, that's a great show. Uh, where we, you know, it's mostly that's usually the more non kaiju thing because we save all the kaiju stuff for underwater kaiju from outer space, which you could find on Legion Podcast under the Kill the Cast banner, which I do with Mister Venom, Don and Ellie, and Mister Jerry Herring. Also have. A, podcast known as they're here which i do on the the cut to the chase feed with uh lacy lou and uh my main show which i started very long time ago now five years in different incantations is cinema attack which me and my buddies matt and dovey which i met on youtube uh just review movies and talk shit about them you know we do good movies we do terrible movies we watch Terrible movies for commentaries, which, ironically enough, I actually missed the last commentary episode. It will be the first episode of Cinema Attack that I'm actually not on. Uh, where me, uh, Matt, Dubby, and Mr. Venom were tortured with the movie Bloodbeat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fun. Ghost, court, ghost Samurai in the woods. <laughs> yeah, you know, the girl beats off and then the samurai appears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm thinking of something else. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, it's a great drunken commentary movie. But uh, yeah, look out for that. You can find that on most podcatchers. And uh, of course, Gary also mentioned, kind of hinted to it, but uh, we have a bunch of shows recorded that are going to be coming out soon for a little podcast that we do on the Legion Patreon feed known as Blood from the Core, where we look at New York horror or thriller movies and uh we have a bunch of great episodes and uh actually the next one that we're going to be doing uh going to be recording it very soon it's actually going to be one of my picks is we're going to be doing andy milligan's the ghastly ones <laughs> oh yeah yes <laughs> you know some 
Godfather of 42nd Street right there. Iris knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be a first-time watch for Gary and a second or third-time watch for me because I have that giant Milligan box set. So I'm going to go to town. But uh, nice. good stuff. So that's about it for me. I have a few other projects and guest spots that are out there. Like a big shout out to Ricky Morgan at Dr. Movie MR. I just did a show with him with Zombie 4. We talked about that Claudio Fagazzo classic. Uh, it's hilarious. So you check it out on YouTube and Legion. But uh, yeah, it's about me. And also, uh, like Gary said, Giant Jilgen of the Corn retrospective just dropped today of this recording. So look out for that. Teapots. Nice. Iris, what you got coming up, girl? Well, well, of course, we just got done with Blood Rage, which is so much fun. <laughs> and, um, you know, we've got, you know, Lasser on and, you know, we just have to talk like this. Um, uh, and then uh, we have Silent Night, Deadly Night that we're going to be doing on Saturday. So that's going to be fun. Um, and that's pretty much it for me besides, you know, being on here and chatting away. Cool. Suzanne, what's NFW coming up, girl? Oh, we just finished up and looked for Christmas blood. It was fantastic. We're doing some few more Christmas movies. We're going to be doing Silent Night, Deadly Night 4 and 5. And you know you want to be there for that. And then we're actually going to start delving into something that I am so looking forward to. It's called Movies Willis Hates. So we're going to be doing everything Willis doesn't like. Necrobantic and, one and two. Oh no, he hates the Babadook. He hates Midsummer. He hates Hereditary. So Dr. we are Sleep. we are going to. It, they keep messing with me with remakes, so I'm getting my revenge on Willis now. Oh, yeah, that's a scary remake. I don't understand the love for. I don't either. I just think it is a waste of fucking time. It's just an old dude walking in fucking Berlin. Oh, no, it's it's Tilda Swet- Swinton dressed up as a man walking in Berlin. Okay, yeah, I saw this. It's called We Need to Talk About Kevin. <laughs> oh, wait, no, she was a woman in that. Never mind. And there's no flash. I, no, I mean, I don't take anything back. Tilda Swinton is Tilda Swinton, but... She put like eight different roles in the piece of shit remake and Luca fuck a whatever. <laughs> I don't see. I, I watched a couple of his movies trying to think, OK, maybe even though I know I know straight up I was going to be dead to it. But I don't I'm not a fan of his work. I yeah. don't like him. I don't think that he, he he's like trying to be this avant-garde type director and he's missing the avant and the guard. He's just a fucking hack. Hell yeah, mic drop. Bam. Boom, bang, boom. Suspiria. <laughs> One of the most elaborate games of Clue ever played. It was Susie ba- <laughs> it was Susie Banyan in the conservatory with the peacock feather. I, I, I solved the game, people, see? Man, oh man. Uh, yeah, the, all the shows you can hear me on, you can hear on LegionPodcast.com. This one, two treatment commentaries, last call of Torchies, which I do with my brothers Lee Russell and Cameron Scott. Uh, 
We're, we're, we're burning and burning and burning for you once again with some Burning for Springwood recording very, very soon. Again, if anybody wants to be a guest on the show, let me know. I know Cameron had some interest, so he might be on a couple of those episodes. We're going to stockpile some so you guys could hear about some shitty TV. You know, we're going to talk about it because, you know, the man gave us his endorsement. So we're going to say, hey, we got to finish it now, y'all. You know, but um, if you guys haven't heard uh, the latter episodes of Bird of Springwood, I got a soundbite from the man himself, Robert Englund. So ch- check it out. Um, did, did, did you share that with me? I don't know. I could somewhere. I'll, I'll look for it. I got I to pull off an episode anyway, so uh, I, will, I will send it to you. Um, good times. <laughs> Support the Legion Patreon, as, as Derek said. Uh, as low as two bucks a month. It'll get you some early releases, some exclusive releases. You see the, those those lovely people at the Friday Nightmares. They leave their stuff on there for a little while, and then release on the main feed. I, I want to entice you guys to join the main feed, so the bonus episodes of Last Call of Torchies and the the regular episodes of Blood from the Core, you can exclusive, exclusively find on Legion Podcast Patreon for as low as two bucks a month. It's, it's not much to ask for. You know, it, it, that'll, that'll purchase one small child in a third world country a bowl of cereal every day of the week, and, you know, it'll give you so much entertainment, people. You know, um, cue the Sarah McLaughlin. Oh yeah, no, cue... no, Sally Struthers. Cue Sally Struthers, please. Yeah. <laughs> cue both. Fuck it. Cue both, man. <laughs> Woo! I'm dating myself, man. I gotta quit talking. It's like you watch. <laughs> I hate it when I do that. You, you watch those commercials with your your animals. They do some particularly shitty in the house. You say, "You see how good you got it. You see how good you got it." You know, and that's a. Uh... Yeah. That dog looking at you the same way as the dogs in the. <laughs> that that dog is sitting in the rain underneath underneath a piece of cardboard. You see how good you got it, goddammit! You know, um, I've done it before to my dogs. They're like, okay, see how good you got it. You see, you see how good you got it over there. But um, like I'm a fucking ghetto house mother oh, no. or something. No, I I give them the dollar store treats and then give them the real treats and like, see how good you have it. <laughs> But yeah, that's about it for this okay, one. My dogs are Go for yeah. it. Go for it. I'm sorry. Yeah, my dogs are more spoiled than most children. Um I, I realize in our release schedule that the holiday show won't will come closer to New Year's, so if we could fit something else in, we we, we just might. It might be a commentary or something for some, some holiday jam that will be revealed when it comes out, if we, if it comes out, so if you don't hear that, our holiday, our New Year's slash Christmas show is going to be a face in the crowd in female trouble, where the, the the theme is criminals who become like pop culture icons, uh, divine and in female trouble uh, as Don Davenport and, and uh, of course, Andy Griffith in a role you would not expect him to be in. So if you don't know what a face in the crowd is, go look it up because uh, he plays a heel on this one. He's not he's not Sheriff Andy in this movie at all to to, to any extent. So go uh go check it out before you listen to the episode. And um that's it for this one. This has been the Cine Beef Podcast, where if you've got beef, we've got the grinder. See you guys next time. Stay beefy. Ow. Ah. Uh. <laughs>